Well, that's it then, isn't it? Harry said. The other two stared at him. He was pale and his eyes were glittering. I'm going out of here tonight and I'm going to try and get the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape have said, you'll be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it's like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have done, because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight and nothing you two can say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry, said Hermione in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's just lucky I got it back. But will it cover all three of us, said Ron? All, all three of us? Oh, come off it. You don't think we'd let you go alone. Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get to the stone without us? What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. As the school finishes their exams, Harry continues to worry about Voldemort and the safety of the Sorcerer's Stone. Suddenly, it occurs to Harry how weird it is that Hagrid desperately wanted a dragon and a stranger happened to show up with an egg. The trio talked to Hagrid, who let slip that he told the stranger about Fluffy and how you can make him go to sleep by playing music. Harry, Ron, and Hermione believed that the stranger was Snape, or perhaps even Voldemort, and run to tell Dumbledore. Professor McGonagall tells them that Dumbledore has been called away to the Ministry of Magic. McGonagall is shocked when Harry tells her that the Sorcerer's Stone is in danger, because students aren't supposed to know about it, but assures them that it is safe. After a close call with Professor Snape, who suspects them of getting into trouble, the trio decide to go down the trapdoor that night. When leaving the common room, they run into Neville, who is determined to stop them in order to prevent Gryffindor from losing any more points. With no other choice, Hermione hits him with a body-bind hex so they can move past him. When the trio arrive at the third floor, they see that Snape has already been there and isn't that far ahead of them. After making it past Fluffy and through the trap door, Harry, Ron, and Hermione work together to tackle the challenges set by the teachers that guard the stone, including Devil's Snare, Flying Keys, and a giant chess game, which knocks Ron out and leaves Harry and Hermione on their own. At the final challenge, Hermione solves a riddle and drinks a potion that lets her go back, help Ron, and alert Dumbledore. She wishes Harry luck, and he drinks a potion that lets him move forward, 
where he finds that the person waiting for him isn't Snape or Voldemort. Hi there, it's me, your host, Christina, just stopping by to say that I experimented with a new microphone setup for this episode, and it did not go well. But the thing about recording audio is you don't know it's not going well until it's too late. I don't think it's distracting, and I hope you also won't think it's distracting. Sorry, it'll be better next week. Also, now's probably a great time to tell you that we've recently launched a Restricted Section Facebook group. It's called the Restricted Section Detention Crew. That's a place for all of the hosts, guests, friends, and fans of the Restricted Section podcast to share memes, articles, thoughts and feelings, and probably just a lot of memes. So we'll see you there. It's the Restricted Section Detention Crew. Link is in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Let's get it started in Hoff. Let's get it started <laughs> in here. Let's get it started in Hoff. Beautiful. Anyway. Are you guys ready to go through the trap door? Yes. Oh. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. Glad to be here. Good. Oh, I'm going to be here too. Let's do a roof roll call. And as we go around the circle, tell me which of these tasks or like which of these gauntlets to get to the Sorcerer's Stone you would have been best at. Like which one are you, are you the most equipped to handle? So I'm your host, Christina. And I think I probably could have done the potions logic puzzle. I really wish that Hermione had a piece of paper. I think she would have been more really confident in her decision if she was able to write it down, but I think that the magic-free logic would have been my strong suit. And I'm Mary Payton, and I actually, I'm having a hard time because I don't know that I would excel at any of them, sadly enough. But I I do think the, um, probably the potions riddle would have been my strongest of them. Your love riddles. I'm Mary Clay, and I'm looking at these two absolutely flummoxed because I would have, like, accidentally killed Harry Potter. I would have <laughs> given him... <laughs> I would have been like, oh, here you go. You can go through the flames now. And then I'd be like, oh, crap. He's, you would have been Voldemort's dead. favorite Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think maybe maybe I would have been good at the keys one or the... Maybe the plant. Mm-hmm. And again, I currently own three plants that I don't know what they are. So <laughs> maybe I wouldn't be good at that. I don't think, you know what, I'm going to take, no, wait, I guess fluffy counts as one of the obstacles. I'd be good at that one. There we go. I'd get as far as the plants and then I would die. So you, your skill is that you can play a flute, just a note on a flute at least. See, I think I would just play with the dog. Dogs, plural, singular, I don't know. I think I would just play with Fluffy. His name is Fluffy. Well, I don't even know if they gender this dog. I don't really remember. I think it's a dude dog. But I think that if it was a like a Siamese human situation, you would give them independent personalities. But maybe with a dog, it's just easier to be like, you're all Fluffy, you don't care. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I wonder if they... No, never mind. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's no, let's let's explore what happens. To, that's my question. At the end of this book, it's like, what happened to Fluffy? Where did he go? What did Hagrid do or Dumbledore? What what happened to Fluffy? Because it's a giant three-headed dog. That's not just something that like, oh, Hagrid's going to take care of him now like Fang. You know, is there like a, a Wizarding World zoo that Fluffy could go to? There probably is somewhere. And we also explored the idea in the last chapter, The Forbidden Forest, that maybe Hagrid just puts all of his failed dangerous magical creatures directly into the forest into the forest maybe it wasn't forbidden until hagrid started fucking up (laughs) it was before hagrid came to came to hogwarts it was just the forest yeah like the enchanted forest honestly i think probably any situation would be better than just being in a dark room by yourself for hours on end yes that is very true man we're not going to go back into, like, the logistics of, like, who's scooping the fluffy shit and who's taking yeah. him on walks, because we definitely have done that in a previous episode. Okay. <laughs> so, do you, are you guys drinking or snacking tonight? Snacking is not allowed, but are you drinking? <laughs> yes. Um, so, mine's not very exciting. I'm drinking a Miller Lite, because I got home uh, about 15 minutes before this started, hey. and ran to the kitchen, and that's all I had, so... All right, what about you, Mary Clay? Um, I don't have anything because I'm oh. out. Wow. RIP. Are yeah. you allowed yeah. to be on the podcast if you're not drinking? <laughs> oh, okay, bye. <laughs> I think this is the first time you have not been drinking a Truly. Is it? Maybe, yeah. Well, I'm drinking some Rex Goliath um, Free Range Red wine. It's called Free Range red because Rex Goliath is a rooster. This is my favorite cheap wine. It's like $4.50 a bottle or something. It's pretty solid. I, I think their white wines are better than their red wines, but like it's my favorite cheap one. That's the one I always go to because it's like under five bucks and always good. Again, yeah, it's pretty good. And I like the rooster on him. I was going to say thank you for, for explaining that it's called free range because there's a rooster on the thing because I was like can grapes be free range? <laughs> we just let the grapes roam through the pastures. We want our grapes to be happy grapes when we wine them. How do you, how is wine made? You, you milk them. a grape. <laughs> you milk a grape. Oh dear. I'm gonna, I'll drink to that. Hold on, guys. I got a cough. Oh, okay. <laughs> they said I got a call and I was like, girl, come on. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if I was one of those people who was like, hold on, I got a call. <laughs> She's a very yeah. important businesswoman, don't just, you know? Just press the button. Are you guys ready to go through the trap door? Yeah. Let's go through it. Except such... first, we got to do exams. Yeah, literally such a bummer because I saw the chapter title and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. And then, yeah, you have to sit through exams they talk about them in great detail because it's their first year i'm like oh my god like i don't want to take this stupid history of magic exam sounds like a nightmare and i like that she goes through it because it it gives me so much anxiety (laughs) like (laughs) i can just remember what it feels like to have this whole week full of exams where you you never have enough time to study for any one of them in particular because you have to study for so many of them and then I love that they have the history of magic one last because I feel like that would be a whole lot of studying, a lot of memorizing. And so they don't even get to start relaxing until the moment that that one is over. 
Yeah. And especially with a friend like Hermione, like, even if you're trying to be like, it's cool, like, I'll be fine, like, I'm going to do the best I can, but, like, Hermione's not going to let you have that attitude. And she wakes up in the middle of the night and starts studying for a final, for an exam she already took. Yo, and she's also that friend that when you walk out of the exam, she's like, so what did you get for number four? And it's like, oh, I don't remember. Well, the first time I did it, I got 44.3, but I did it again, and then I got 37.2. What about you? And you're like, I think I got 180. (laughs) And you're like, that's just not the right answer at all. (laughs) This is really funny to me because the last two episodes I've been with exclusively Ravenclaws, and now I'm with exclusively Slytherins. Yes. (laughs) Definitely a little bit of a different perspective. And so as if exams aren't stressful enough, Harry has like a migraine the whole time basically I feel like pretty much just a magic migraine yeah just nothing like the casual thought of Voldemort coming to kill you and haunting your every like waking and sleeping moments because he's also having bad dreams about it and you know nothing like that to really amp up the stress of exams you know I'm really impressed that he passed it all how did you pass any of these, let alone all of them? Spoiler alert, he passes all of them. <laughs> and also, like, what awful friends uh, Hermione and Ron are when he's like, so I'm kind of worried about Voldemort and the Sorcerer's Stone, and I've been having these really bad dreams. And they're like, oh, shh, you're fine. It's just because you're worried about your history of magic exam. <laughs> it's okay. Shh. Well, I feel like Hermione is like, oh, yeah, like, I've had some crazy stress dreams before. Like, once I was so nervous about a test that I had a stomach ache for three weeks. So Hermione's like, don't even worry. This is healthy. (laughs) You're finally as studious as me. Get in line. Yeah. She thinks that his stress is all about, like, exams, but he's like, no, I'm worried about being murdered. Yeah. That worry does not go away. Seeing, uh, Seeing a hooded figure dripping blood, so... No big deal. Sorry, I'm pouring wine. My mic is definitely picking that up. It's It's okay. It adds to the... It's ambiance. Ambiance. That was the dripping blood. It is red wine. Perfect. So then Harry has his epiphany, right? Which he already had an epiphany in, like, the last chapter. He has so many. He just needs to stop thinking and go with the flow. Yeah. (laughs) Harry Potter and the convenience of the epiphany. (laughs) <laughs> yeah really so true what is it that triggers it it's like um oh he sees an owl with a letter and he's like Hagrid's the only one who sends me letters Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy and then and he's like wait a second this whole thing that I've learned in the past 100 pages is a little too convenient <laughs> Hagrid's let a couple things slip before I wonder if he could have let something slip about Fluffy. Hmm. Oh, we're not going to get into the Hagrid thing on this episode because I've done it for the last two episodes. I've been mad at Hagrid for a long time. <laughs> Let's visit him. So he's shelling peas with his like pants and sleeves rolled up, like full Hobbit mode outside of his hut. <laughs> really picturesque. And Harry runs up and starts immediately interrogating him really aggressively. <laughs> about how he came to have the dragon egg. 
because that's the part that was a little too convenient to him. And it comes out that Haggard totally told this stranger how to get past Fluffy because he was trying to say, oh, I can handle a dragon because Fluffy just played some music and he goes right to sleep. And what's funny is that the stranger who, of course, we know is Quirrell, but the stranger like knew enough about Hagrid already to get him drunk. Because <laughs> Hagrid mentions that like, he was like just trying to remember all that they talked about. And he was like, I don't know, it's kind of it's hard to remember exactly what we talked about because he kept buying me drinks. So I just love this idea of Hagrid just being totally oblivious, sitting in the pub, being like, wow, this stranger with a hood pulled up over his head so I can't see his face is like really interested in this conversation. And he's also really nice because he keeps buying me drinks. I'm like, Hagrid, you're an idiot. But at the same time, if I was at a bar and some creepy looking guy came up to me, but he was holding a golden retriever puppy, I'd be like, oh my God, buy me drinks and let me play your puppy. That's so true. And if he's like, all we have to do is play a game of cards and you could win this puppy, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll get that puppy. I'll get that puppy a good home. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but the idea that someone could have a hood over their face and be having this conversation with him, playing, going to buy drinks and stuff. And it never, it covers it completely the whole time. Wait, imagine that it's Strider. I know, but you can eventually, okay, Strider for most of the movie is like sitting in the perfect kind of light where the <laughs> shit, where the shadow like also covers part of his face, right? So like. I just think that some people just live a life of mystery and especially the kind of people that maybe would be interested in talking to Hagrid. I mean, I would probably be like, take your fucking hood off. It just, it just crazy to me that it never once like just moved slightly. It's also Hagrid and he's just not at all worried about the fact that this guy is in a hood and he never sees his face. Like that never occurs to him that this person could be bad. But I do kind of get your point, Mary Peyton, that, man, I forgot to mention at the top of this episode that it's a Mary versus Mary situation. That's the whole sh- We have to episode. be against each other? I know. That was, my, that was my instinct, too, when you texted me that. You're like, Mary versus Mary. I was like, what? We don't, I don't want to fight her. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Slytherin versus Hufflepuff. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to lose that fight. <laughs> <laughs> But I get what you're saying, Mary Payton, about, like, if you're sitting with someone for hours, like, how can Hagrid, how is there not ever a point where Hagrid catches enough of a glimpse to realize that that's one of his, like, colleagues, one of his co-workers that he sees every day? Mm -hmm. I get it. Magic. I think he was way more shit-faced than he was letting on. He probably, yeah, he probably was before that guy even walked up, before Quirrell even walked up, so. Or it's magic. Or it's magic. Wow. Magic cloak that he bought in Nocturne Alley that when you pull the hood up it's immovable and it never and it always stays in place no matter what and it wow. casts a shadow on your face on the wearer's face always a shadow Strider would love that even in the dead even in the middle of the day in like the desert with the heat of a thousand suns beating upon you shadow across the face <laughs> For those who don't know, Strider is Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. If you don't know that, I go listen that. to Mary Clay's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun now because it's getting to a point where I'm like, hey, I know that. Hell yeah. 
I'm like, I know who Strider is. That's fun. <laughs> well, that's from a long time ago, but that's fine. I mean, <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> Okay, this is our, our final theory about the masked figure before we move on. Maybe Hagrid was completely blacked out and Coral didn't even have a hood on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's sad because yeah. that's really possible. Like, I believe that completely of Hagrid. Oh yeah, a hundred, a hundo P. I don't know if the kids actually I've never that. heard a child or I guess. Uh, a youth. Yeah, Mary so Payton knows some youths. Yeah, you own some youths, don't you? That's right. co Ownership. <laughs> I have contracts on their life. Yeah. And this is fine because they're not allowed to listen to this podcast anyway. That's right. <laughs> They'll never know. They'll never be horrified. So Hagrid lets it slip that this masked stranger knows, well, it's not masked, cloaked, cloaked figure, <laughs> cloaked. Um, knows how to get past Fluffy. And Hagrid's like, it's just some random guy. I was just bragging. But of course, it was fucking Voldemort. <laughs> so, Hagrid, Or as I mean, the gang thinks, it was Snape. Right, 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 right. At this point. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Even Harry says, it must have been easy once he got Hagrid drunk. Yeah. <laughs> they already know. Also, we can't gloss over the classic Hagrid line that carried the weight of the first two movies essentially, which is Hagrid going, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have told you that. (laughs) There's definitely a couple lines in this chapter specifically that are completely verbatim in the films and I like can't not, can't not film, filmify them. Also, just while we're on the topic of the film, at this point in the movie, when they go to talk to Hagrid, I just have to bring this up because it's driven me crazy since this goddamn movie came out in 2000, <laughs> the year of our Lord, 2000, and I don't remember. <laughs> when they are walking to Hagrid to confront him to talk about the dragon egg, Hagrid is sitting outside his fucking hut playing on his little flute, and he is playing the goddamn Harry Potter theme song. He is playing on his flute. That's true. Do, 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 is he really? I've yeah. never noticed yes. that. He definitely is. Yes. So the gang freaks out because they're like, tonight's, oh, oh no, not yet. The gang freaks out because they're like, definitely Snape knows how to get into um, the Sorcerer's Stone. When I was a kid, I had this problem the first couple times I read this book where I would conflate the Chamber of Secrets and the Sorcerer's Stone because it's like, the gauntlet required to get to the Sorcerer's Stone just feels like a Chamber of Secrets. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. And I used to get them confused, and I remember reading the series for the second time, because you don't reread books the same way when you're, like, a kid. You're like, I've only read seven books. I need to read more books. So I remember reading it for the second time and being so shocked when I got to this the, the gauntlets in this chapter, and I was like, what the fuck? This is in the second book. But it's not. It's in the first book. <laughs> so they're like, Snape's going there tonight. We need to find Dumbledore. Which I mentioned this a couple episodes back because I had this vision in my head. It, w- it wasn't this exact moment. But like I had a vision in my head of the first time that Harry tries to go find Dumbledore and realizes he has no idea where to go. And he's like running around like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time they try to go find Dumbledore. And they're like, where? <laughs> where do we go? <laughs> I love that, yeah, it just now occurs to them. They're like, wait, where's his office? <laughs> Which is, like, so they, fitting for Dumbledore because he 
it's just like, especially for the first few books, well, at least until the end of this book, definitely. He's just kind of this floating idea of someone. Whereas like in a elementary school, we would know the principal's office is like right, normally right up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enter. And Dumbledore is, I don't even remember where his office is. But they get inter- intercepted by Professor McGonagall, which is bad Bad luck. I mean, I don't know if anyone could really have helped them in this moment besides, like, actual Dumbledore, but they find Professor McGonagall, and she is like, what the fuck do you want? And they're like, we need to talk to Dumbledore. It's about the Sorcerer's Stone. And she's like... First, they're like, it's really important. And she's like, literally, what is more important that you three 11-year-old children could need the headmaster after he has been called by the Minister of Magic. Yes. What do you noobs think you are? Like, what is so important? What is so goddamn important? And then they're like, the Sorcerer's Stone! And she's like, my God! (laughs) That was a perfect impression. That was beautiful. Thank you. But yeah, I feel like that would have been my reaction too. Like, because (laughs) all she says is that he received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and he left at once. um, And he has many demands on his time. And Harry, all he says is, but this is important. As though like, none of that is possibly important. Like, it's such a a kid reaction. Be like, this is important. (laughs) It does lead me to wonder like what could possibly have compelled Dumbledore to leave the school. There's nothing to our knowledge. Like Voldemort's not here. Like, like what does the ministry of magic need from him that he can't just write a letter about or like have some other kind of conversation about like what requires him to be at the ministry of magic? Is it, I can't remember if it's in this book or a different book or something when they kind of start getting more into the politics of everything. But I think at one point they mention that like Dumbledore had been approached to be minister of magic, yeah. but he didn't accept it. But that fudge would like constantly call him and be like, what do I do? <laughs> help, I know. help me. But- so maybe that's just like another part of their correspondence. And Dumbledore is like, okay, I'll go help him with this thing. And yeah. he doesn't have, at this point, he doesn't have any reason to believe that, oh, I should stay here and I shouldn't leave. This is a trap. Everything is safe here. Right. So I can go and do this. And there's a lot we don't know at this point. I mean, maybe Dumbledore is an important agent for the wizard, like FBI, with his Legilimen skills, you know, or something crazy. We don't know. So basically, McGonagall's like, you guys are idiots. Go play outside. Which, classic mom teacher response. (laughs) Right after they encounter McGonagall, they encounter Snape. And this is one of the lines that I can't disconnect from the movie when he's like, people will think you're up to something. (laughs) So good. Oh my god. Snape is one of the most well cast. Which we should just, we should mention that that line in 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 the book is just Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can they? And then in the movie, people will think you're up to something. (laughs) So, that was perfect. And that really does go to show, like, how much, like, a physical performance of something can make a difference. Because you're just reading this at a certain speed. Like, you don't read at different speeds because the character is delivering it dramatically. You know, you're just, like, reading through it. But definitely Alan Rickman, with all his lines, he really makes you wait for it. 
Yeah, he really he really knows how to drag out a line in the right way and use his eyes so much while yeah. he's doing it. And that line is like looking at all of them. Like as though his eyes are like soul. just Yeah, and, and and almost as though his eyes are like separate from what his mouth is saying. Because he's <laughs> doing legilimens on them. Oh yes, that's it. Oh he's like these poor sad fucks, they still think I'm the one. Yeah, right, because I think at some point it might have been for a chapter I was on, it might not have been but, like, at some point it does, Harry says, like, the, like, narrator in his head is like, and Harry often wondered if Snape could be reading his mind. And right. it's like, he is. <laughs> Which is a ever, violation of privacy. <laughs> do you guys ever think that Snape and Dumbledore talked about that? Like, oh, yeah, Harry is yet again after me. What are we going to do about that? <laughs> Dumbledore, and then I know, like, I don't. Dumbledore's like, oh, just let him. He's harmless. He needs something to do. <laughs> But Snape is also like, go play outside, you guys suck. So um, all the teachers, well, you have to think about it from the teacher's perspective right now. They have so much to grade, and they only have like a week and a term, and they're like, oh my god, go outside. Like, I need to grade. Also, the idea, so the way that, and I'm, I feel like this is uh, pretty common, this is pretty common, but like, the way that exams work for let's say college or whatever is you take the ex- the end of year or end of semester exams and then you go home and it's like yay it's summer and I'm not just sitting at school waiting around for my grades to come out and then I leave but like that's what they have to do they have a week where they're just sitting there waiting for their grades and like I get that like it's probably more fun here where it's like a week of being at Hogwarts with no class, but at the same time, like I would hate that. I would just be like, "Can I just go home? Like, <laughs> this is why are we still here?" I never went home in college, so I can't relate to that. I, I was always like, "Fuck yeah!" Now I can enjoy living away from my parents without school weighing me down. <laughs> oh, I lived in a I lived in a dorm pretty much all the years. <laughs> so Snape is like, go outside. <laughs> and then he walks away. So then they come up with the plan to monitor him by Harry and Ron going to the third floor corridor to monitor the room where Fluffy is in. And they station Hermione outside of the staff room so that she can keep track of Snape. But immediately that all goes to shit. McGonagall finds them outside of the third floor corridor and is like, I mean, rightly so. She's like, do you think you're harder to get past than a three-headed dog. Can you please yes. fuck off? Like, She's a, a like, officially fuck off. You are 11-year-olds. First-year wizards. You are not hot shit at all. Please just leave. Yeah. <laughs> she, and she does say what surprised me that I didn't remember is that she she says, you guys think you're tougher to get past than a bunch of enchantment. Yeah. And I don't think, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that they brought that up, so she let it slip that there's a whole bunch of enchantments. Wow. Oh, or, or would that be, yeah. like, common knowledge? No, well, you know no, because I think in another chapter, um, it's after, like, a Quidditch match or something, maybe, um, Harry overhears a conversation between Quirrell and Snape, and they're able to piece together that a bunch of the teachers have come up with their own challenges. Right. But McGonagall doesn't know that they know that. They don't mention it. They don't know that we know that they know. Yeah, she just just Hagrid did. 
I have a, re I think a really compelling theory that Hagrid has been under investigation because of Norbert. If McGonagall has half a brain in her, and if Dumbledore's a legitimate, and Malfoy comes at them being like, Potter's got a dragon, they're definitely gonna go see if Hagrid has a dragon. They know him. I think he's been under an investigation, so there's a chance that they found out from Hagrid. I mean, this is like a great stretch, but there's a chance that Dumbledore found out from Hagrid that Hagrid let it slip to Harry that there's a lot of enchantments. True. I mean, he doesn't really, even while Hagrid is trying to cover stuff up, he's still spewing out stuff he's, all the time. He's just, like he let it slip to them that he let it slip to the stranger. Yeah. Like he seems to remember that he does these things and still doesn't and understand like, what oh, he did. Oh, crap. Yeah. It's full on Katie Heron word vomit situation. Yes. So then Harry screams at Ron and Hermione for the first time. It's certainly not the last <laughs> because he's like, you know, he's like so I need to go get it first, which is like so stupid in Gryffindor. So Gryffindor. And Ron and Hermione it's are like so overly dramatic and unnecessary. A little bit unnecessary because they're like, oh, we're gonna have to go after the stone, and they're like, no, you can't. We'll get in trouble. And then he's like, do you want to die? We're yeah. gonna die. Do you know what it's like to have Voldemort in your head every night <laughs> and hearing the screams of your parents as they die? And, and then, oh, Hermione, are you upset that we might lose the House Cup? Do you think that's going to matter when we're all dead? And then Hermione and Ron are just like, oh my god, okay, fine, let's go get the stone. And then there's like the classic, Voldemort killed my parents, remember? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Harry, we remember, you mention it every day, oh my god. <laughs> but I remember, like, as a kid, the drama wasn't that intense. Like, as an it adult, I'm like, calm down you know like you could say these things without always shouting them you know like whatever but like as a kid i was like he's just trying to be heard as a kid you're like he's so right and i would do the same thing but as an adult it's like absolutely not that is this, every part of this is a bad idea let's take a calming breath and yeah who's teaching these kids mindfulness and meditation no one. I've said before, and I'll say it again, Hogwarts needs a counselor. These kids need help. <laughs> There's no budget for it. <laughs> so they decide that the three of them are going down the trap door tonight. Da -na -na. Really just a terrible idea. So they wait up until everyone goes to sleep. Lee Jordan's the last one to go to sleep. That's consistent with his character. They go to get the invisibility click. They're putting it on when who should appear. But Neville Longbottom. Classic. Good old Neville. Neville tries to stop them from sneaking out of the dormitory this late at night, um, but he fails at that. Hermione puts the leg locker curse on him, Petrificus Catalis, which is, hi, my name's Christina, and I get sleep paralysis, and this is my nightmare. Yeah, it would be scary, like totally scary. It said all that could move was his eyes. In horror. <laughs> That's the yeah. creepiest part, man. Ugh. Yeah, like, this is my complete nightmare. Oh, my God. Not being able to move. <laughs> like, definitely, he probably has, like, an anxiety attack while going there. Oh, my God. For sure. And I have to say, like, this part really stuck with me. Or 
I guess it's not really this part, but it's when Dumbledore talks about it at the end. So I don't want to jump ahead that much, but I'm not going to be on that episode. So I'm going to. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about it now anyway. <laughs> um, no, but like that part really struck me when I was reading it as a kid, because I, I don't know if I had never, I never really thought of that as a brave thing, like standing up. Sometimes you have to stand up to your friends and sometimes they even people who still are your friends, it's not like they become your enemies when you stand up to them. But the fact that it's just as important to stand up to your friends sometimes and it takes even more bravery because yeah. it's easier, in a way, it's easier to know who your enemies are and who you don't like and who, what you think is bad. And it's harder to be honest and upfront and physically stand in front of your friends to try and prevent Yeah them from stuff and put that ahead of wanting to be liked and that I think as a kid just like I never thought about that before I still maintain that Neville has no evidence at this point that these people are his friends mm. <laughs> they've never done anything but fuck him over and I be kind of rude about him I guess they are I mean at the very least he's standing up to his housemates which are supposed to be like his family. Mm -hmm. So he's standing up to someone. It's like, it's one thing to yell at a Slytherin, but it's another thing entirely for him to yell at one of his own kind, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And I think um, like at this point, he doesn't have very many friends. Like that's the point is that he really doesn't have, he has more people probably that make fun of him than people who don't. And I think, even though they're not necessarily people that spend a lot of time with him, they're people who don't make fun of him. At least they haven't up until now. I think they have a couple times. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe so. not maybe to not. his face. Right? <laughs> Ron definitely treats him like a little baby in this part. He's like, oh, sweet Neville, step aside. You're being an idiot. <laughs> so then, yeah, Neville goes stiff as a board, and they, like, walk over him. The whole thing is such a nightmare. Like, I cannot. It stresses me out. So, and then they leave him. So sad. Yes, they leave him. I'm not too worried about it, because, like, I'm like, it's Neville. He'll be fine. Hermione yeah. wouldn't have done something that would have, like, intentionally hurt, you know, had lasting, you know, hurting physical effects on him. But what's funny is the next moment when they're under the cloak, and they're out in the quarters, and they see Mrs. Norris, and Ron's like, oh, please, can we kick her just this once? Yeah. <laughs> Harry's, like, responsible, and he's like, no, not right now. I get it. Cats are very kickable, and the bitchier the cat, you, the more you want to kick them. <laughs> Sometimes when my cat Penny is screaming at us for dinner, Sean and I are like, should we just punt her? No, 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 we shouldn't punt her. I guess not. <laughs> I haven't punted her yet on purpose. She's very little. Sometimes she gets underfoot. It happens. <laughs> and then they also run into Peeves, which is probably the worst thing that can happen to you when you're trying to get something done. Perfect. I love him, but he's also a nightmare. Yeah. I, I just like the way he talks. A ghoulie or a ghosty or a wee student beastie. <laughs> like he's always in like a like, creepy Victorian era children's poetry book. You know what I mean? Oh, I was thinking yeah. more like, He's being as like condescending and patronizing as possible, and it's like, like 
are you a ghoulie or a ghostie or a wee student beastie? Like he's trying to, he's like doing like baby talk because he's like, I'm a thousand years old and these are babies. Probably true. Them. But Harry pretends he's the Bloody Baron, which is the only thing that, that Peeves is really afraid of. And so they get past him. And then they get to the third floor quarter and the door is ajar, which is super lazy. There's a yeah. three-headed dog in there. <laughs> yeah, just really, really sloppy kind of bad guy stuff. I mean, but it's also a really big dog. How, how are they going to get Fluffy out when all this is over? The, there's no way the door how did they get fluffy out of the door no more fluffy logistics i can't the door's gotta be because they probably put fluffy in there when fluffy was a puppy huh. so small enough to fit no through the door. i and can't then fluffy grew and so how do they get fluffy out of there anyway so then they go into the third floor corridor fluffy's there he's awake there's a harp it's not playing this is not the movie fluffy's awake and so Harry immediately starts playing his flute, which is definitely probably like more of a recorder situation, which makes yeah, it funnier. And also too. Harry's like, I've never played anything before in my life. So, you know, I mean, we've all heard a child play the recorder. Like, you know, this is a nightmare. Just real bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hot cross buns. Yes. <laughs> I still remember how to play that. <laughs> I went on to play the flute, which has the same fingerings as the recorder, so I know how to play a lot of shit on the recorder, including <laughs> most of the Titanic soundtrack. Did Me you too. Pausing the Harry Potter talk for a second, did you guys have to do like a recorder concert in elementary school? Because I definitely did. Well, yes. We did not do a recorder concert. We had record. We had recorders. That's a nightmare. I'm never having kids. I'm not going to a recorder concert. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, and the and like the funniest part is that I'm the I'm the youngest of three. So we had, like, in our house, we already had recorders that my brother and sister had had from school. So, and then, like, I added mine to the collection, and my parents were probably like, oh, my God, how can we end this? Yeah. <laughs> Worst instrument. Well, um, Dusty and Sam, my two stepkids, they, have, they both played the tuba past year. Oh, that's amazing. So them practicing was... Very loud. There, there's no way to do that quietly in another room. That's like true. there's, there's no area in the house where they can have it. And um, I am on in a Facebook group for my county. Just like people. I thought you were gonna say stuff. for like for like support support for mothers of no. tuba players. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's plenty of that though. Parents of tuba players support. <laughs> no, but um it, it's for the county and I live in a pretty rural county and someone had posted on there like please do not send your children outside to practice their instruments. Like I know that you don't want to hear it but neither do we. <laughs> so like cool. we <laughs> they're not even our kids. Well at least a tuba isn't like high pitched, you know? Yeah. True. So Fluffy falls asleep. The trapdoor just goes down into darkness, and and Harry volunteers to jump first, which like no fucking way, dude. And definitely not when I was eleven. Okay. He does a lot of dumb, crazy, incredibly brave things, and that to me, as someone who's afraid of heights, is the craziest. Like it could just be a hole in, to nowhere. It could just be a floor that's just far enough that you just 
your body crumbles. What are the odds that it's something that will actually catch you? Well, softly. Well, I feel like they know they know that this is the way to the sorcerer's stone. I so I think they know that like the trapdoor goes somewhere and that there's no way that it would just be like, "Oh, actually it's a pit to hell and this is how you die." What if there was a ladder and Snape was like, <laughs> "I don't want anyone to follow me. I'm taking the ladder." It's, what I'm saying is it's a huge risk. For sure. I don't know. I'm still in the camp of they know that there's a series of challenges. And so I think they're taking this like leap of faith and being like, there's, this is going to be, is going to lead to a different challenge and we're not going to die by going, falling through this trapdoor. Thank God they're right. So Harry lands in a pile of double snare, which I feel like falling 30 feet, even onto a plant would still fucking hurt probably break your legs, but okay. Yeah. Like, name one thing that you could fall 30 feet into and be fine. Like, even a foam pit, you would still get fucked up. A trampoline. No, you would get fucked up. It would hurt. That's too much distance to fall. And the part that confused me is that when Hermione lands, she says, we must be miles under the school. (laughs) Yeah, and then you had to go up to the third floor corridor. Third floor. How long? Did, have... Okay. Have either of you two seen Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams? Of course. <laughs> I cannot say that I have, actually. Well, of course I have. You know the scene where yes. they, like, fall Kano, and they just... Yes, it's like an fall. illusion. They're falling it's for, like, hours and hours, but they're not yeah. moving. Yeah, it's like, I guess it's like that, where they're like, <laughs> wow, we must have fallen forever, and then, like, someone turns the lights on, and it's like, you actually fell five feet. <laughs> or Hermione's 11, and even though she's brilliant, she still looks like Miles? I don't know. <laughs> also, is this what Miles are? I don't know. So this is a point where people say that, like, oh, the movies really took away a lot away from Ron, because Hermione in this moment, kind of, when she realizes, oh, it's Devil's Snare, let's use light, and that makes it go away, she's like, oh, I don't have any wood. And it's this moment of Hermione, like, kind of not thinking clearly and and not thinking straight under pressure. And then Ron is the one who's like, are you an idiot? You're a fucking witch. He doesn't <laughs> and just in say the that. movie, they switch it to, like, Ron is panicking and freaking out. And then Hermione is the one who has the calm, level head. And this is a moment that a lot of people point to for, like, showing how the movies take all of the things that like any time a character does something smart or says something smart, they give it to Hermione in the movies. Yeah. I think it's a disservice to Ron and Hermione because it takes away from the intelligence that Ron literally actually has as a character in the films. He's only comic relief and it turns Hermione into this infallible thing that like she's perfect. And also, you know, in the movie, she's beautiful. Whereas in the books, she's a bitch. Yeah, and I, I just feel like that's one of the strongest reasons for the book versus the film in just about every situation. Because mm-hmm. the book can really round out a character well without yeah. taking anything away from their strengths, but give them these flaws that a movie really doesn't have the time to probably. Um, because then they have to show a lot more in order to round out a character, I think. Yeah, if in a film, if you show 
a character's flaws, you also have to, you, you have to make time to show their flaws, and then you also have to make time to justify why they're, like, still an awesome person. Like, if you show Hermione having a dumb moment, you have to spend more time showing why she's still smart anyway. Right. Yeah. I, so I get it, but, like, also, I hate it. Yeah. And I just love the way that Ron says it is not just, like, are you a witch? He says, are you a witch or not? Like, just, I love the way he words it. I don't know why. It, that kind of language to me is really indicative of him doing? being raised with a lot of siblings because yeah. that's just like how pe- siblings talk to each other. He's like, get it together. It's almost like a dare. Like, are you a witch or not? Like, show us what you got, girl. Yeah. So she is a witch and she makes a fire. Thank God. And the devil snare. She's a witch. Burn her. <laughs> but then the funny thing is that when they get out of it, Harry says, lucky you pay attention in Herbology, Hermione. And then Ron says, yeah, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. And it's funny because Ron was the one being like, what the fuck do you think you should do right now? I remember noticing that when I read this the first time as a kid. Really? Yeah. Which, you know, I loved reading and I was pretty smart, but I don't remember catching a whole lot of the nuances. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff. So I was like, I reread that so many times. I was like, there's got to be at some point where Harry keeps his head and Hermione doesn't. And I could not find it. (laughs) Ron just is not used to taking credit. I guess not. So they keep going. And next they get to the key room, which is probably, I think, like the chillest place in this series of gauntlets like you could stay there for a while and hang out you know like it probably is nice yeah it's just a bunch of weird ass birds flying around yeah weird birds jeweled birds the movie makes them seem like they're kind of like almost the wings are almost like made out of paper like or maybe like a little insecty but mary clay you might have noticed that in this illustrated edition these are bird wings yeah and so it looks all really fucked up. The illustration of the one that got grabbed is really fucked up. Like a bird that fell out of its nest. Like it's fucked up. Aww. Yeah. He gets beat up all the time. I know. It's rough life. Oh, he's, he's the chosen one too. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> so it's like birds, but they're keys too. And it's pretty and they're glittering. And that's how they get out of this gauntlet is there's a locked room on the other side. They have to find and catch the right key. But not for nothing was Harry the youngest seeker in over a century. <laughs> I mean, not to like always go back on the movie, but like when I was younger, I thought that the challenges had been set up specifically for Hermione, Harry, and Ron. Because, you know, in the movie, it works out so cinematically that it's yeah. like there's three challenges and they play to each of the three kids' strengths. And so this one, I was like, oh, yeah, it's the flying challenge for Harry because he's good at flying. And then the chess challenge, like, I didn't, it didn't connect with me that, like, oh, this is something that, like, Madam Hooch made or made it with Flitwick or something and Flitwick charmed the keys or, you know, whatever. And so, like, that didn't connect with me until much later reading the books being like, oh, Fluffy was Hagrid's thing. Devil's Snare was Herbology. This is, like, charms and flying. The next one's Transfiguration and then Potions. And then the troll defense against the dark art. It's all spoilers. Like, oh. We're gonna get there. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah, and it does. It still does seem pretty convenient. You know yeah. that these kids have their really strong strengths are the things that are in these. 
But if you think about it too, their strengths that we mostly see are things that have to do with the school and classes. So it kind of makes sense, I guess, that it would match up that way. And it's also just funny that like these are very distinguished, intelligent professors who are like the best wizards and witches and like the challenges that they thought were so smart that they could keep Voldemort out, a bunch of 11-year-olds get past. <laughs> and I think it's funny too, like if I were really trying to keep an evil person from this thing who could do such terrible damage with it, I don't know, I'll make it harder. I know that seems crazy. Like, yeah, it's like, supposed to be really smart and really hard to get through these things, but like, Maybe don't give them a way to get to it. <laughs> yeah, like the like this one where it's a bunch of the flying keys. Don't put the fucking key in the room. That lets right. them go to the next room, you know? <laughs> it's like a video game. Like you have to play, you have yeah. to figure oh. out the exact right thing to do. Right, yeah. And then it's almost like Dumbledore's like, you know what, I just discovered video games this summer. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to do this. <laughs> Yeah. He is very into muggle stuff, and this was like, you know, this was in the 90s. Game Boy was very popular, so maybe he found a Game Boy and was like, these muggle games are so cool, you all won't <laughs> believe it. He played Legend of Zelda and was like, let me tell you about a real dungeon. <laughs> yeah. So Harry catches the key with his seeker skills <laughs> and a little bit of friendship, and they get into the next room, which is the chess room which has always really confused me because this is not what my understanding of transfiguration is. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna, McGonagall transfigured them to be alive. Bigger. Yeah. If anything, the chess challenge seem, seems more like it would be charms than, I agree. than transfiguration. Because regular wizard's chess is already alive. So all she did was fucking make it bigger. And that's it. And Gorgio. There, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I buy this very much. I feel like they just couldn't... F- J.K. Rowling simply could not figure out how a transfiguration challenge would work. Right. You like, know? Ah, chess. Chess. Yeah, and chess. We gotta... I mean, Ron has to be good at something. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess the, like, the transfiguration is the, the process of it. So, like, just having a thing and then having the thing that it turns into I mean, it is a transfiguration. It could have been something where, like, they have to, I don't know, transfigure a rat into a key in order to go unlock the door or whatever, you know? Yeah, but like, then you could do that. I mean, if you can really do transfiguration, you could do that with anything. So, like, she could literally just, honestly, the biggest challenge to transfiguration would be not having anything to transfigure, right? Like I think the only way you could really have transfiguration as a gauntlet in this way is to have room with like one million jelly beans. And one of them is actually a key. <laughs> okay, but that would be the challenge I would excel at because I would just eat them. And then you have like a pit, you feel something heavy in your stomach and you're like, oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. I found so, it. So would it transfigure on the way? To, like, that's what I don't get is like the challenge with the keys that are flying. One is the actual key. I get that. But like, that's not transfiguration to Look, have like. We can't think too hard about this. But I want to figure it out. Rolling, <laughs> she, there's like several points in this book where she talks about wizard's chess and like, and, like, Ron being really good at it and Harry learning it and all this stuff. 
and she was like, I have already introduced wizard's chest and I am going to ding, ding, put it in here for the Chekhov's gun or whatever, you know, like I've already done the foreshadowing. Does it make sense right now? No. Am I going to do it anyway? Yes. (laughs) Just to clarify my jelly bean thing. (laughs) <laughs> you wouldn't eat the we'll jelly beans you would have to sit there and transfigure them back one by one but none of them they would all just be jelly beans so is part of learning transfiguration learning how to change things back to what they were transfigured from i don't know i didn't go transfiguration class i, I would hope so like, what if so- your friend gets turned into a pig and you need to bring him back again i always had in my head even despite the books and the movies, them saying certain spells for certain things. In Transfiguration, I always imagine that there aren't that many different spells. Like maybe there are groupings, like if you want to take something alive, like an animal, and turn it into something not alive, that's one spell. If you want to take something that's not alive and turn it into something that's alive, that's one spell. So like, because there can't possibly be a spell for literally everything that could possibly exist to turn into everything else that could possibly exist. Yeah, I think it has to be that way. It makes no fucking sense. Like, their exam is turning a mouse into a snuff box, and they get extra points for how pretty the box is. And at one point, they turn, I know they turn, like, needles into pin cushions or something. There's just a lot of, like, turning this useless object into another useless object. Or turning this alive thing into this useless, not alive thing. (laughs) But for, like, for what purpose? If we're talking about, like, magic serving a purpose, what is the point? Uh, It's kind of like when you're in algebra, and there's a question about, like, If Susie is checking out with 24 watermelons and 84 carrots, and the carrots are 30% off and the watermelons are 20% off, like, how much does she pay? And it's like, when in my life am I ever going to buy 84 watermelons or carrots, and when am I ever going to have to do that math when the cashier is going to ring it up and it's going to do it automatically? Like, when... In their practical application of magic, are they ever in their lives going to be like, hang on, Voldemort, I got to stop this battle. There's a mouse here. I need to turn it into a snuff box. And that's why I feel like that's the same kind of idea that transfiguration has to be this general spell or action that you learn that sort of handles all these different situations. Because math and doing a math problem you don't have to have those 84 watermelons in order to do that same math problem with a different amount of watermelons. It's definitely just like, how are you going to practice? You know, like she doesn't know the ways in which you're going to need to know transfiguration in the future. So she's like, well, we're just going to practice on a bunch of random shit. Kind of like drawing, learning to draw. You're like, I don't need this drawing of like my cat licking his butthole, but like I got to learn somewhere. I got to draw something. Was that an assignment you had in school? (laughs) I wish. Wow, so they play a fucking game of chess. Ron's good at it. That's cool. It's nice to see Ron in charge, you know? He doesn't get to take that role a lot because when Harry's not in charge, Hermione's definitely the deputy. Yeah, it's nice to give him this little moment of, of bravery and leadership. It's just such a nice little moment for Ron to, to, be, to be the winner and to step up and to be like, yeah, I know stuff too. 
Well, and not only does he win the game, but he wins it by sacrificing himself, which is like, okay, he gets knocked out. That's not good. He's 11. But, like, it's very badass. And unlike the film where he's on a horse and the queen stabs the horse and he falls off willingly, he gets bitch slapped by a statue in the book, which is very intense. By stone across the head, which would definitely do some real damage. Yeah, like, have any of you guys ever hit your head on, like, I don't know, like, one time I sneezed and I hit my head on my, like, granite countertop, and that almost killed me, you know? <laughs> People have died also, from that. Yeah. It also says, the White Queen dragged Ron to one side. Like, she just, dra- like, the other pieces are, sto- like, lifeless stone things, and she's, like, just tossing them carelessly or whatever. This is, like, a human child. <laughs> <laughs> and she's dragging him across the floor. Oh, poor Ron. Well, this gauntlet was not designed for a human child. It was designed for a human adult criminal. So, like, I get it. Bitch slap him, drag him across the floor. He's a bad guy. Also, what makes me laugh with this challenge is the idea that, like, Voldemort probably wouldn't be very good at this. <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, I feel like he wouldn't be, like, patient enough to, like, sit and learn the strategy of chess. And I feel it, it just makes me laugh imagining that, like, this is the thing that stops him. Is, <laughs> or also, like, Dumbledore going to McGonagall and being like, hey, we have to protect the Sorcerer's Stone. What's something that you think would stop Voldemort? And she's like, I got it. A fucking giant game of wizards chess. <laughs> or really, I think any game, you know, like, I don't know if she was technically thinking about that specifically, but I think in order to learn a game you've got to, I don't know, I picture Voldemort as this person who has had a mission like his entire life. Like even when he was a kid before he knew he was a wizard or any of that stuff, he still seemed to like always be brooding and having this different kind of mission than any other, the other kids. So like I cannot imagine him just chilling and spending time getting bored, learning a game, wasting his day away. I'm laughing a lot right now because I just imagine when you were like, it could be any game, really. Him having to, like, play fucking Monopoly. I first <laughs> and, thought it was Hopscotch. Or, like, Candyland or something. <laughs> but, like, Monopoly, I think especially would be hilarious because Monopoly is notorious for taking forever and I don't think ever in my life I've played a game of Monopoly where we actually played until someone won. Usually how, I don't know how it goes for other people, but like when I play, play Monopoly, we play until we get bored and then the game is over. So like the Definitely. idea of Voldemort <laughs> or, or like, I don't know, shoots and ladders, but he's never in his life played shoots and ladders. So he doesn't understand like why... <laughs> things are happening the way that they're happening or any like any physical playground type game like um, dodgeball uh, <laughs> hopscotch gaga ball uh, right yeah tether ball yeah tether ball, <laughs> tether ball is hilarious because it comes around and smacks coral in the face and then it goes around and it smacks Voldemort in the face Perfect. Perfect. That's what I would put in here. Christina has just defeated Voldemort. Done. So what I'm imagining is, I mean, with the chess situation is like, Voldemort's like, fuck, it's chess. Like, what a waste of time. Like, I always try to imagine like what Voldemort and Coral are doing. Like, what are, what's going on, guys? Roommates, the odd couple, 
But like, Voldemort's like, fuck, it's like chess. Like, I hate this. It's so stupid. And Quirrell's like, you know, Master, I'm actually quite good at chess. <laughs> Quirrell's like, my grandfather taught me when I was a kid. And Voldemort's like, shut up. I don't care. Shut up. Just go. <laughs> I'm so tired of you talking. Just go. <laughs> Voldemort is sick of hearing all his stories. Yeah. So they make it through thanks to Ron's sacrifice. Hermione and Harry are able to go to the next level, which is da-na-na, a troll. It's already knocked out, which is good because we already fought a troll. troll. In the dungeon. This is another troll in another dungeon. <laughs> or maybe the same troll. Do you think it's the same troll? Poor troll. Why would you bring two different trolls into the school? I think that's maybe what happened. Because this was also... Quirrell was the one who set up the troll for this. Because that's Defense Against the Dark Arts. And he was the one that set the troll loose to cause a distraction. So I feel like he set the troll loose from here to cause the distraction. And then this was the troll that all of the other teachers are like, oh my God, the troll that was protecting the Sorcerer's Stone got loose. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) So they're like, thank God we don't have to fight this troll. And they go to the next room, which is my favorite room in the books. This is one thing where I totally get why they didn't put it in the movies. It's not that fun to watch. But at the same time, why wouldn't Professor Snape be a part of the protection of, that's like the whole point is that Snape's helping to protect it. So we get to Snape's gauntlet, which is the potion logic puzzle. Basically there's, um, how many? There's seven bottles and one lets you go forward, one lets you go back, two are poison and three are wine. Okay, I forgot to mention at the top of this episode that the wine I'm drinking is nettle wine out of a potion bottle from a Snape potions gauntlet. <laughs> She's lying. She's drinking it out of a regular ass wine glass. It's a logic puzzle. It's like a rhyming logic puzzle. Mm. Like two of us will do this shit and three of us are wine. And if you look to the right of wine, there's sometimes poison and three from the end, it's me. You're like not poison. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a logic puzzle. So Christina and I are both very big fans of this podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle. And like they do these logic puzzles uh, every day. Like they'll have like, they have like regular riddles that are more like wordplay or something. And then, also have a mix of logic puzzles like this or math puzzles or whatever and they just notoriously hate the logic puzzles and you can it's just so hard to like listen to it and be like wait okay hang on you said three and then and then two on on the ends but not the one on the and then the one in the middle okay but that's next to the (laughs) <laughs> and like that's why I said at the top of the show that I would <laughs> I would be like Neville in the fourth movie when he's like I just killed Harry Potter I killed Harry Potter that's what I would be like. I'd be like okay I think this one is safe and he would drink the poison and then I'd be like oh fuck um, okay I think this one's safe for me and it would be the wine and I would be like oh maybe maybe this one's also not safe and I'd be like oh whoops more wine yeah just like open every bottle smell it it smells like wine this one's safe to drink you can no longer do your puzzle because everything's out of order now yeah I like the language in this particular section um the juxtaposition between Harry and Hermione's reactions to this logic puzzle (laughs) 
<laughs> it kind of. I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine lately, which I think um, you guys have both seen, right? And yeah. it's definitely Hermione's giving off strong Amy Santiago vibes, where it's like fun, a logic puzzle. <laughs> And Harry's just like, we're gonna die, right? And, and Hermione's like, no, I got this. <laughs> and she does it in her head, dude. Like, I can't, that's the part I can't do. I can't do it in my head. Question. We know that Coral de Mort has already gone through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We know that Coral de Mort has already gone through this. So I'm assuming all the other things magically reset themselves, except for the key one, you, they could tell which one was the key because it had the crumpled wing. So like theoretically, if everything totally reset, that shouldn't have had the crumpled wing. Don't forget but about like, the troll. And yeah, and the troll was dead too. So like, it's just very convenient that like, oh, the potions were all in the exact same place that the riddle had set them in. As opposed to, like, what might have realistically happened is, like, Quirrell de Mort picks up a bunch of different potions and looks at this one and probably, like, mixes them up. And, like, sure, Hermione's going based off of the puzzle, but, like, there's no way of knowing, and there's no way that they can really be sure that everything has been reset. So, like, even though she's like, yeah, the second one to the left, theoretically, shouldn't be poison, but it might be. I don't know. Yeah. I think that probably there's something to be said for when she is like, I think this one is the one that lets you go forward, and then it's also only enough for one person. I think she's probably like, that makes sense. I think yeah. probably also... I think you can make an argument that all of these gauntlets reset themselves except for the ones that involve actual living creatures, maybe? Because, like, the keys are kind of alive, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. That's the only, that's all I got. But, yeah, I mean, I was, you're right that they're definitely um, putting yeah. a lot of trust in this system that everything has reset at this point. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily bringing that up to be like, let's solve this right now. No, that's always why everything gets like, brought up. Let's solve it right just now. A, <laughs> just like a general note of confusion. Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, her, and well, I don't want to give any spoilers away. So Hermione's like, I think this one is for one person to go forward, and this one's for one person to go back. And then they... <laughs> I, I was kind of, okay, so I tend to read the, my chapters aloud to, to, I almost said to Ron, oh my god, I tend to read these chapters aloud to Sean, you can see where I got confused, because he loves stories but hates reading, so I was reading this aloud to Sean, and like, I was like, I hope he doesn't see that I'm like kind of choking up right now, because oh. it's Harry and, and Hermione's first real friendship moment, where... <laughs> she's trying, like, he's like, go back, get Ron, and she's like, oh my god, like, you're going on without us, and like, we're, you've been so stupid so far, how will you ever make it? No, he, <laughs> she says, you're a great wizard, and she's like, I'm an idiot, like, like you're better, like, I just, like, they just love each other, and then she hugs him, and he is like, full 11-year-old boy, like, ew, Hermione, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's nice, because they both it seems like they're both in this moment seeing the, the good in each other. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of those books, they certainly didn't. 
Yeah. Um, and now they're seeing like, he's definitely seeing that books and cleverness get you pretty far and that they are necessary. And her being crazy about them sometimes has, is the reason that they've survived this far. And then she's also seeing that it's, that's not everything. You can't memorize um, bravery. You can't memorize friendship. You, those are things that just like are in a person. So it's just a beautiful moment. Yeah, definitely. It's a moment where he's like, you're the reason we've gotten this far. And she's like, yes. And you're the, like, you're the reason, like you must go on, you know, like this is as far as I can take you. But like, I have nothing but faith that you will go on. Oh my God, it's beautiful. (laughs) This was also one of the lines um, that we kind of mentioned that like is verbatim pretty much the same in the movies. And so I read it in my head as the exact same in the movies where she's like, me, books and cleverness. Yes. There are more important things. Friendship, bravery. Oh, and Harry, please be careful. Just be careful. Yeah, that's definitely, I'm with you. I read that totally in full movie cadence. Mm. I was like, da, 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 I do think that the, I prefer the way it goes down in the books, this particular exchange between Harry and Hermione, because in the films, they're having this exchange after, in the, chess room right after Ron's been knocked unconscious and there's a lot of there's like other things going on like oh my god our, our friend just got knocked unconscious we don't know what's ahead Hermione is he dead yeah is he dead <laughs> Hermione her her thing was the devil snare which is like lame that's not as cool as the potions and like it's like go on like oh whatever but this it's like just them alone in a room and they can like take a minute you know what I mean and be like this is where we part ways and like I value your friendship and I hope I see you again. I'm getting chills and I just love them so much. Also, like, have you guys ever, I think this is the first time, no, I don't know. I think this is the first time where it's like, it's just Harry and Hermione together without any other people. And like, have you ever bit your like friends with a group of people and then at one point you get left alone with someone that like you've never been alone and you're like, huh. How do I, t- how do I talk to you? What, <laughs> how do we interact without the other people around us? <laughs> I can't relate to that because I am an extrovert and I host everything. So inevitably everyone shows up earlier than everyone else at some point. So I've been alone with everyone eventually all the time. And my, uh, my strategy is to just keep talking. <laughs> it doesn't get awkward if you just keep talking at least not for you oh boy the I in that moment that seems like a great strategy and I kind of try to do that but then I literally cannot remember any human things to say like it yeah. still happens to me at 33 where I'm like I at this point have to make a conversation and therefore I can't remember how to it's like so uh what Hogwarts house are you? <laughs> no, that is literally like that is one of my fallbacks in conversation. Is like, like Harry Potter. <laughs> what's your what's your what's your Hogwarts house? No, on the flip side though, I'm a nightmare. Like I'll keep talking against <laughs> all odds, you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> kind of similarly, Hermione 
is she's already drinking the potion and she's like just standing there talking to her. She's like, oh, and by the way, because, and he's like, go, <laughs> it might wear off. Yeah. I would be afraid. I would probably drink it like right next to the fire and go immediately. What's a, what if it's a five second just, potion? Right. <laughs> I don't know. You're 11 and you've been in school for one year. Like, you don't know. (laughs) So Hermione goes back. Harry takes a deep breath. He picks up the smallest bottle and he turns to face the black flames. He says, here I come. And he drinks it in one gulp, practicing for his life of heavy drinking later to deal with all the trauma. (laughs) It was as though ice was flooding his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames licking his body, but couldn't feel them. For a moment, he could see nothing but dark fire. Then he was on the other side in the last chamber. There was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. That's the sound of me closing my book. (laughs) Uh, I wonder who it is. It's so hard to talk about the last line in that chapter and not the first line of the next chapter. Except it fucking is Voldemort. Well, yeah. (laughs) But, like, that's not what it seems. (laughs) Do you guys remember that, that, like, I, okay, I so vividly remember reading that for the first time, getting to the end of that chapter and being like, what the fuck? And turning the page and being like, Coral? Like, I yeah. didn't even notice you. No, I, like, di- yeah, I remember that, too, because I did not, he wasn't even a guest, honestly, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I maybe tweeted something about, like, what was the first, like, plot twist that you remember being shook by? And I think mine was, I mean, it was for the movie, but... I think mine was this moment of being like, what do you mean it's not Snape? Yeah. It kind of like, I remember it affecting me. And obviously I barreled right through to the end of the book and like my mind was just like blown. Christina, Christina, is that why you think you have um, deep-seated trust issues? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everything is based on Harry Potter. For sure. Wow. So any last thoughts, guys? We got to the end. What do you think? Like, how do you feel? We got one chapter left. I know. Ready to go. It was all action-packed, and we're, like, at the top of the climax, and then we have to end the podcast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, fucking next week's people get the finale, motherfuckers. (laughs) We can can just crash it. That is true. We do have – it's not like you create individual – Oh, since we're on Zoom, it's not like you create individual links or meeting IDs. It's because so I trust you. Theoretically, just burst in. It's because I trust you. Man, yeah, the next chapter is the man with two faces, so we know what happens in that chapter. We do indeed. Yep. Wow. So you guys ready to move on to some plugs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I really need to get a new one because my bathtub did not come with one when we came to this apartment. And I got one from TJ Maxx and it like got all ripped up. And I really need to go back to TJ Maxx. But of course, TJ Maxx is fucking closed right now. Do you guys take baths? Um, I haven't. 
in a while, but I like to. Yeah, I like to dabble. Mary Payne, does your new house have a good bathtub? It does. And the last place we lived only had one stand-up shower, and it was very small. And so this one has a bathtub and then also a stand-up shower. That's awesome. All right. I have two bathtubs in my house, and they're both incredibly shallow, so they don't cover my body. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> that, is, that is the caveat of taking a bath, as like, especially me where I'm, I'm not like an extremely tall person, but like I'm apparently taller than the average American woman. And so that is the caveat of like taking a bath as an adult is that like (laughs) it's like okay do I bend my knees and have my knees be cold and then the rest of my body can lie flat or do I like sit up straight with my legs with my legs flat out and then like my upper half is just (laughs) out of the water (laughs) the bathtubs in my house are exception if my whole torso is on the bottom and my legs I give up on my legs. Like, I just put them up. (laughs) And my torso's on the bottom. If I'm flat on the bottom of the tub, it doesn't cover my boobs (laughs) or my gut. I'm I'm not like a slender person, but I'm definitely not a fat person. And even if I was a fat person, I deserve the right to take a good bath. That's crazy. It sucks. That's like a baking pan. You know what? Oh, you know what we should all do? We should get those bath bombs that um like reveal your they're like the sorting hat bath bombs, and they're like coated in black, and then they secretly have like green, red, yellow, or blue in them, and you don't know until you put it in the bathtub. We should all do that. (laughs) We can have a really sexy episode. You guys can do that, but as I previously stated, my baths are a nightmare. I okay, don't maybe use we'll them. just we'll all gather in someone's backyard with a bunch of kiddie pools in bathing suits, and we'll do yes! that. <laughs> That's a fun summer activity. So, are you guys ready for some actual plugs? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who wants to go first? Um, I can go. My sister and I just started watching a show that everyone else or a lot of people have been talking about, which is Dead to Me, mm-hmm. which is actually really good. I'd just been sort of brushing by it because, you know, there's always a million shows that a million people are interested in. They're always recommending. People are recommended it, and I was like, I don't have time for that. So we just sort of randomly started watching it. She's in town, and it's really hard to stop watching. It's one of those shows where, like, at the end of every episode, they do something crazy right before the end. And then you have to watch the next one. Mm, mm-hmm. They really got me with that. But it's really good. Nice, nice. Also, you should follow me at Richmond Reads on Instagram um, for bookish Richmondy Instagram stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're not in the Richmond area, you should yeah. still follow it. Yes, definitely. As always, you can listen to my podcast, That's What I'm Talking About, wherever you get podcasts every Tuesday. And Haley, our very own Haley Simkiss of the Restricted section was just recently on. And um, her episode, I actually ended up splitting into two parts. So um, it was a very fun time. So go listen to that. They're great Uh, episodes. They're really good. It's a good chapter. Oh, my. 
Oh my god, like genuinely so much fun recording that episode because oh. so much happened in that chapter. Yeah. And it's good to um, because she like has the whole Cimmerillion in her brain, which like I don't. She's an encyclopedia. Yeah. Also, I, I would say m- like many other millennials, I would assume, especially millennials who are listening to this podcast in particular, I am watching Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix because it just dropped last week. I'm like midway through season two and I'm like, this is such a good show. I'm so blessed. However, I do have to say like the quality of the animation doesn't really hold up on a 4K 55 inch television (laughs) in the year 2020 when it was animated in the early 2000s, unfortunately. (laughs) Because it's like they never could have predicted that it would be watched on you know tvs that were built like this so um but it's uh it's such a good show if you've never seen it like now is the time to start it it's great as always you can follow me on instagram at your girl of the world you can follow me on twitter at tina fontina trying something new this week all right experimenting with some twitter handles a lot of funny tina puns are already taken but i love fontina cheese so here we are i would like to plug a show that it's not new but i love it and i just haven't mentioned it before it's called hilda it's on netflix it's a cartoon it's really good for fans of avatar if you like blow through avatar and you're like where do i go from here nothing will ever be as good as this try hilda it's a cartoon about this little adorable British girl with blue hair and Uggs who lives in the countryside with her mom and there's all these like cute adorable fantastic creatures and she's just like the nice bestest girl and I love her Hilda on Netflix it's amazing and that goes for you Mary Clay if you get to the end of Avatar you should definitely try Hilda I was was gonna say when you were like if you blow through Avatar and you're like what do I watch next nothing will ever be as good I was like are you talking directly to me because (laughs) Hilda, it's the same kind of show. It's the show to show your kids if you want them to become thoughtful, conscientious, creative people, you know? Avatar is also a show if you want your children to become thoughtful, conscientious. Exactly, exactly. Thematically appropriate. Netflix would say, you just finished watching Avatar. Try Hilda next. Nice. So I think my new log off catchphrase is wash your fucking hands. Um, and get the fuck off my computer screen. I don't know, man. (laughs) You were going to say get off my lawn. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) Oh, well, bye. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. How considerate of Quirrell to wait until their exams were over to 
send Dumbledore off and go after the stone. You really know? thoughtful. Really thoughtful. Yeah. yeah. Consider it to be like, I'm going to wait for them to finish their schooling and then I'll go after the stone. I have found through fiction that bad guys are usually pretty considerate. Like, they'll send their soldiers to fight you one at a time so you don't get tired. Yeah. And they'll, they'll definitely warn you and show you how they're about to kill you when they finally have you. They take their time just <laughs> long enough for you to escape. Old Dr. Evil said. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>